Hey, this is Rich, and we're so glad that you joined us today on the VU Church Podcast. Now, if you haven't heard, we just released our first full-length live album entitled, I Need Revival. I encourage you to add or download it right to your library. I'm sure it's going to bless you. Now, it's Father's Day, and today we have some of our dads of the house bringing the word. Today's message is from Pastor Adrian Molina. He helps lead so much of our staff and team here at VU. And on today's podcast, he helps shift our perspective of what it means to be reliant on our Heavenly Father. His sermon today is titled, Through the Eyes of the Father. Let's lean in today's message. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers once again. Today, this day is a very special day for me because today is the first Father's Day where I am a father of two. Hello. I got two little boys. Two little boys, Maddox Monroe Molina and Mason Monroe Molina. Incredible names. I know they're going to be president of the United States and vice president of the United States. But I've got two little boys. Maddox is two and a half and Mason is seven months old. So if you're wondering, the answer is yes, I am exhausted. Yes. Uh, I also didn't set myself up to win with these triple M names. I, I get their name confused all the time. Any other parents out there, you get your kids' names confused all the time. My mom used to call me the dog's name and the cat's name, so I understand. Uh, it got so bad with me calling Mason Maddox that I actually changed officially Mason's name to Gordito. Gordito is like a Hispanic term of endearment, but it means chubby, right? Because he's a little chubster. What's so funny, though, is that Maddox, my oldest, is now starting to call him Gordito, which is cute now, Nick, but I think in the future it's going to cause some problems for them. You imagine they're in school and like, oh, this is my brother, uh, Gordito, chubby. Or they roll up to the basketball court, you need one more? Yeah, yeah, Gordito, get in there. Like, I feel like that's going to cause some blows between them, but at least I won't get their name wrong, and that's what matters. Uh, so his name is Godito. If you see him, you can refer to him as such. Uh, speaking about Chubby, I think it is important to acknowledge publicly that dad bod is a real thing, okay? We are not here to talk about that. I will not divulge any personal information regarding that, but I am going to ask that you pray for your boy because it's beach season, okay? So anyway, Father's Day, super excited to be here and to be chatting with you guys. Being a dad is incredible. Uh, being a dad is amazing. Um, you know, for me, aside from meeting Jesus and being married to Michelle, being a dad is the best experience that I've ever had. And honestly, it is, um, it's made me think a lot, a lot about life. It's made me think about what I value and what I should no longer value. It's made me think about what I want my character to be versus what my character actually is. You know, having kids is an incredibly revealing experience. It's sort of like an unveiling of sorts. And we've got dads in the room today and dads online. So I think we've got some people that could resonate with me, especially for a guy. Having a kid is like the ultimate gut check. And I want to be clear really quickly. I'm not just talking to the fathers who have biological children. There are men in this room today and watching online today that you don't have any biological kids, but you are more of a father than some men who do. And you are a man that stands at the gap for somebody spiritually, mentally, emotionally. If you've accepted the stewardship of somebody's life underneath your care, then you can claim this spirit of fatherhood. So I'm speaking to you the same way I'm speaking to the dads who have biological children. So being a dad is obviously an, a revealing and incredible experience. And I think for us as fathers, what I feel like on assignment to talk about today is why. Why is being a dad so revealing? Why is being a dad such a gut check to us? Why is being a dad so eye-opening to us? 
Well, at VU, uh, we turn to the Bible to answer big questions like this. So every single Sunday when you come in here and you tune in online, we're going to open up this thing called the Bible, and we're going to extract truth from it. Because the Bible is the story of God, and the Bible, what it does is it reveals to us who God is to us and who we are to God. The Bible reveals these things to us, so we always want to extract truth from it. And I was thinking on this concept of fatherhood this last week as I was preparing for today, I wonder... I wonder if there's so much power attached to fatherhood because fatherhood is the clearest illustration we have to understanding how God views his children. I wonder if there's so much attached to fatherhood and power attached to it because it's the clearest thing that we have to understanding how God views his children. When you examine the life of Jesus, which we just did for six months, we examined the life of Jesus through the book of Mark. So hopefully as I say this, this makes sense to you, this resonates with you. When you examine his life, you recognize that there were two primary relationships that he was obsessed with. First is the relationship to his church. And second is a relationship to his father. Jesus is obsessed with his church, meaning he is obsessed with people. He is obsessed with bringing the broken home. He is obsessed with setting the captive free. He's obsessed with drawing people near to him. Why? For for spiritual salvation and for earthly restoration. He loves people. He wants relationship with people. What's so interesting is that in the Bible, he uses an illustration to help us understand, to help us contextualize how he views his relationship to his church. What is it? It's marriage. He says that the church is his bride. So me, as a married man, I can leverage this earthly relationship with my wife to help me contextualize how Jesus views me. My relationship with Michelle, my partnership with her, my my, uh, commitment to her, they're all expressions or iterations of Jesus's relationship and partnership with me. I think the same applies to fatherhood. I think the same principle applies to fatherhood because just as Jesus was obsessed with his church, he was also obsessed with his relationship to his father. His entire ministry was about glorifying God. His entire ministry was about bringing praise and honor to God. His entire ministry was about being in submission to the father. In fact, we just talked about it for four weeks. Four weeks, we talked about it straight. What? That we are to what? Love the Lord our God with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. That came because people came to Jesus, and they were like, hey, what what do I got to do? Like, what's the most important thing for me to do on this journey? He says, easy. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. What does that tell, tell us? It tells us that he's obsessed with honoring his father. So what is it about the father? What is it about the father that I can look at? How, how can I learn how to be an earthly father by looking at the relationship between Jesus and his dad? That's what I want to examine today. How can I leverage the relationship between the father and his son to understand how I could be an earthly father here? I think it starts with paying attention to how the father views Jesus. I think it, pay, it starts with paying attention to how God the Father views his son. There's a hundred different things that I could say here because there's a hundred different ways, a million different ways that his son or that the God the Father sees his son. But specifically, there were three that stood out to me that I want to bring to you today because they're resonating in my heart, but I also think that they're important to where we are in this day and age. So the first is that through the eyes of the Father, which is my sermon title, by the way, if you are taking notes today, through the eyes of the Father... Jesus is viewed as sufficient. Somebody say sufficient. Sufficient. How do I know that Jesus is viewed as sufficient? 
Well, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Every time I've read that verse, and I'm sure you've done this too, every time I open up the Bible and I see that verse, I internalize the goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, that this God would give me this unwarranted, unmerited gift of salvation through his son, Jesus. The Bible says that in Romans, it says that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. What does that mean? It means that while there was still this separation between God and I, while there was this gap between God and I, he injected his son into humanity for my sake, for my salvation. That's what I read when I see this. But this week, something hit me different about this verse. Something hit me a little bit different. And I think this verse is screaming out the sufficiency of Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God the Father is saying, my son is sufficient. My son is enough. My son is all you need. My son is all you need. It's not, it's not Jesus and your works. It's not Jesus and your resume. It's not Jesus and your bank account. Jesus and your background. It's just Jesus. Somebody say, it's just Jesus. Jesus is sufficient. So because God the Father sees Jesus as sufficient, I, I need to... I need to internalize that as a father and recognize that I gotta see my kids as sufficient as well in Christ. I gotta see my children as sufficient. I gotta see my children as enough. And the reason, I, the reason I'm saying this, the reason this resonates so much with me in my soul is because as a father, I understand what it's like to play the comparison game. As, as ridiculous as, as it sounds, I know what it's like to look at a two-year-old and wonder he, why he's not measuring up to the same level as the kids around him or why he's not performing at the same kids around him. I know what it's like to be consumed with these thoughts, to think what school is he gonna get into? What kind of job is he gonna have? What kind of accolades is he gonna tally up in his life? What is he gonna be good at? I know what it's like to be consumed by these thoughts and have this comparison mindset, but I felt the Holy Spirit tell me something really clear. I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, Adrian, you don't have to make up for these so-called insufficiencies in your son because it's not through you that they're made sufficient, it's through me that they're made sufficient. Your kids are enough because they are my creation. Your kids are enough because I have made them sufficient. We gotta stop as fathers thinking that we gotta make up for these so-called gaps and really understand what our assignment is as fathers. Our assignment as fathers is to close the gap between God and our kids, not to make up for the gap by our intervention. I think oftentimes now, especially in this society, especially in Western American society, individualistic, collectivistic, uh, entrepreneur, we're, we're constantly looking at insufficiencies within our children and we're trying to compensate on their behalf. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, their sufficiency is not based on your intervention, it's based on my interaction with them. So as a father, we gotta align them to their maker. We gotta align them to their creator. So I know this to be true, in my relationship with my kids because I, I see it true in the relationship between Jesus and his dad. His father sees him as sufficient. So through the eyes of a father, I have to see my children as sufficient. Secondly, through the eyes of a father, Jesus is seen as unique. Somebody say unique. First Timothy two through five, it says, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man. How come, how come we have this tendency as parents um, that every time our kids do something new, we feel like they're the coolest thing on the planet. We feel like they're the smart. You guys don't do this, it's just me. I'm the only guy that does this. Okay, so my son Maddox, two and a half years old, Maddox can fart. 
And my response would be like, son, let me tell you something. That is an excellent fart, young man. Listen, I have, I have done some farting in my life, son. I have heard some fart. Is this too much? It's a little gross, yeah? I, I, I'll respond like that always. I'll say, son, that was excellent. That was amazing. I, I exaggerate their accomplishment. Or Mason, Mason, he's seven months old. So he'll, he'll babble something and I'll be like, Michelle, did you hear that? You heard that, right? You heard, our, our son, seven months old, just said, I love Dada, okay? I know that John the Baptist, Jesus said he was the greatest man born of a woman, but I think Mason is right behind John the Baptist. Like, you know Albert Einstein, really smart? Mason Monroe in the same caliber, seven months old, saying, I love Dada, this kid is a genius. And Michelle will look at me and say, Adrian, you're an idiot. He, he, said, he said, goo goo gaga. Am I the only parent that does this or we have other parents that do this? You exaggerate the accomplishments of your kids. Why do we do this? Why do we exaggerate the accomplishments of our kids? I think it's because desperately we want our kids to be unique. I think it's because desperately we want our kids to stand out. And if I'm being honest today, I'm being honest with myself and I'm being honest with all of us. If I'm being honest, I think that desperation for them to be unique I think that desperation for them to stand out is more rooted in fear than it is in anything else. I think it's rooted in fear or concern that if they are not unique and they do not stand out, that the world will consume them, that they will not get into the school, that they will not get the job, that they will be overlooked for the team. So we're desperate for our kids to be unique. We're desperate for our kids to stand out because we feel like that's what's gonna give them some identity. We feel like that's when it, what's gonna give them some purpose. But when I examine the relationship of the father to his son, Jesus, I recognize that God the father, he had no concern, only confidence. No concern, only confidence. How do I know that? Because of the scripture verse we just read. It says that there is one God and that there is one mediator. Not 100, not 75, not 50, not 25, not 15, not 10, not five. One mediator and his name is Jesus. God the Father is trying to teach you and I that his son Jesus has a unique purpose attached to his life. His son Jesus has something on him that no other person birthed in humanity has ever had. My son is unique in that he is the only mediator. So when I receive that and I contextualize that as an earthly father, I have to think, okay, what does that mean for me as a dad? What does it mean for us as fathers, I think for us as fathers, we need to understand that we all have a, our kids and, and humanity in general, we all have a common purpose. Our common purpose is, is to, as a capital C church, is to glorify God. But what's so good about our God, what's so awesome about our God is that he also indwelled each and every one of us with individual purpose. Each and every person in here has an individual purpose that's knit into who you are. And I think... If I'm being honest, I think as fathers, sometimes the mistake that we make is under the banner of protection, we try to exert our purpose on our kids as opposed to extract God's purpose from our kids. And I feel like I came in here today to tell some dads, don't exert, extract. Don't exert, extract. Don't exert, extract. I think about the relationship with my dad. As you could see when I got up here and I started crying, I'm obviously tight with my dad, but I think about the relationship with my dad because when I was 15, my parents came to Christ, and I saw a major transition in who they were. Transition in their home, transition in their relationship, saw a transition in my father. My dad's like a, like a street guy from New York, okay? And I saw like a rough guy all of a sudden transition into a compassionate person, a loving person, a selfless person. I saw this transition, but it still took me 10 years to come to Christ. 
That's a message for some parents, by the way. Persistence beats resistance. Don't give up praying for your kids. Don't give up going for your kids. Don't give up speaking truth to your kids. It took me, it took me 10 years to come to Jesus, but I remember vividly, I remember vividly this man when I was in my teenage years and in my college years telling me that I was gonna be a pastor. And I used to laugh in this man's face. Like, Bobby, you're crazy. No way, bro. Like, there's no way I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna be in politics or I'm gonna be a consultant. There's no way I'm gonna do that. I used to laugh in this man's face. But I guess he's the one laughing today, right? <laughs> he's the one laughing today. What's beautiful about that story is that not once did he try to impose that purpose upon me. Not once did he try to exert that purpose upon me. What he did instead is he called it out because that's what a good father does. A good father calls out what they see in their son. There's something in your kids, dads. Come on, fathers, you need to know that there's something in your kids that no other kid on the planet has. There's something inside that child that is purpose, that is uniquely crafted for that person. When they are in Christ, there's something in them that the capital C church needs. And our job as fathers is to steward that properly. Our job as fathers is not to exert our purpose on them, but to extract God's purpose for their life, to extract what God wants them to do with their life. So we need to recognize as fathers that I gotta put my desire to the side and I gotta put God's design to the forefront. I gotta put God's design to the forefront and close the gap between my kids and God because that's the role of an earthly father. So through the eyes of a father, what have we examined so far? In his relationship with, with God the Father and Jesus, we have examined that God the Father sees Jesus as sufficient, that God the Father sees Jesus as unique, but then thirdly, God the Father sees Jesus as a representation of himself, a representation of the Father. Hebrews 1.3, it says, the Son is the radiance of God's glory, and the exact representation of his being. This one spoke to me, man. This one hit me a little bit because our kids are, our kids are a representation of who we are. People underneath your leadership, whether you're a biological father or not, the people that have been entrusted underneath your care, they're a representation of who you are. They're an extension of who you are. If you could claim the fatherhood spirit, then the people that you're caring for, they represent the father. When I was in college, I was in a fraternity and not like a Christian fraternity like Pastor Rich. I was in like a real, you know, fraternity. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Your fraternity was real. Your fraternity is awesome. <laughs> I was in a fraternity and um, we used to recruit new guys into the fraternity every semester. And in the recruitment process, there's something referred to as a legacy recruit. A legacy recruit is someone that's trying to join the fraternity that is a family member of a previous member, typically the son of a previous member. And in the fraternity world, a legacy recruit is always given a bid, always given an extension, an invitation to join. Why? Because they're viewed as an extension of the father. They're given access. <laughs> they're given access into something because they're viewed as an extension of the father. It was, it was assumed by the governing body of the fraternity that the person that was now entering would be a good representation of the father because they were in relationship with the father. I hope you see what I'm trying to say here. I hope dads, you understand what I'm trying to communicate here. We as men, we have this obsession 
I'm not gonna speak to the women really quick. Maybe this doesn't apply to you, but as men, maybe you could resonate with this. We have this obsession with legacy. We have this obsession with, with uh, inheritance, with dominion, with more, with conquering, whatever you wanna call it. We have this obsession, yet we have failed. We have failed for the most part, if I could be so bold to recognize that our greatest asset is our children. Our greatest asset in accomplishing what it is that we want to accomplish, our greatest asset in accomplishing the mission that God has for our life, for making an impact, for actually claiming some new territory, for stepping into dominion, for stepping into inheritance, we fail to recognize that our greatest asset is our children. Isn't this what Jesus did for God the Father? The Bible says that Jesus is the exact, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. What does that mean? That means that when Jesus came and he walked the earth, he walked as an extension of the Father to represent to humanity who God the Father was. And what did he do? He instituted the greatest inheritance the world has ever come to know. I think it's important for us as fathers because we, we desperately want to take our families into new territory. We desperately want to take our families into, into, new, into new ground. We want to establish something for the world. But I came here to remind some dads today that your ability to make an impact, your ability to leave a mark on this world, to leave a mark on your family, if you want to make a difference for God, and you wanna make a difference for your family, it doesn't start or end with your bank account, your stock portfolio, your resume, your job description, your accolades. It starts and stops with your ability to deposit into the people that are underneath your care. It starts and stops with your ability to deposit to the people that are underneath your care. It hinges on that. You wanna claim new dominion, you wanna claim new territory, you wanna step into new ground for your family, invest more into your kids than you do into your stock dividends. Deposit more into your kids than you do into your bank account. That's where the real power is. Isn't that what family is? What is family? Family is a, a group, an organization, an entity that is willing to lock arms with one another and drive towards a common goal, drive towards a common purpose. Isn't that what the Capital C Church is built off of? We say here at VU that a healthy church is built off of healthy families. That's why, because the Capital C Church is a movement mediated by groups of people who are willing to lock arms together and head in the right direction. Mediated by groups of people who are willing to say, I'm here to represent my family and I'm here to represent God. I'm here to be committed to my family and be committed to God. I pray, I pray as we launch a fifth service, as we take new dominion in Miami, as we establish new ground in Miami, I pray that we've got a church that sees this. I pray that we've got a church that recognizes that this is hinging on my ability to, to deposit into other people, to lock arms with other people to drive people towards a common goal. That, that's what a family is and that's what the capital C church is. So as fathers, as fathers, we, we see through the eyes of God the Father in order for us to contextualize here on earth what it means to be an earthly father. And when we contextualize it and our kids are in Christ, we realize that our kids are sufficient, they are unique, and they are a representation of us. The relationship between Jesus and his dad helps me understand how to view my kids. But dads, I, I want you to not miss this. Whether you're a biological dad or not, you got people underneath your care, I want you to, to not miss this. When you are in Christ Jesus, this is the way that God the Father sees you. 
This is the way that he sees you are sufficient. Not sufficient because of what you bring to the table, sufficient because of who Jesus is. Sufficient because he makes up for your gaps, because he fills in what it is that you need to fill in. Everything, everything you have, everything you need to be the father that God intended you to be is right inside of you. You are sufficient, but you are also unique. God called you to be a father on purpose for a purpose. That means that there's something inside the dads in this room that I don't have. There's something I have that you don't have. Just like our kids are given a unique purpose, you as a father are given a unique purpose, but you know what it takes? It takes us eliminating the threat that we put on ourselves, which is to what? To exert our own purpose on ourselves. We have to eliminate that and open up our arms to say, God, extract your purpose out of my life. Extract what you want out of my life. It takes men to be able to submit to the authority of the father. It takes men to be able to walk in submission and confidence. Submission is not a weak word. There's nothing stronger on the planet than submitting your life to somebody else. There's nothing that requires more strength than submitting your life to a father in heaven. That's what it takes in order for you to find the uniqueness that's inside you. So you, dad, you are sufficient. You're unique, but you're also a representation of God. Man, if you hear me, dad, say anything today, hear me say this. Your kids will look to you before they look to Jesus. Your kids will look to you before they look to Jesus. That is not intended to intimidate you. That is not intended to scare you. It's intended to empower you. I, I don't have to point my kids to God. I get to point my kids to God. That's an opportunity. That's a privilege. That's an honor that I have to mediate the gap, what? Between God the Father, God the Creator, the Creator of everything good, the Creator of everything that I've experienced that's blessed my life. I get to connect my kids to that? That's an honor. That's a privilege. That's something that we get to own up to. You don't have to, you get to. The choice is yours, Dad. So I spoke to the dads in the room, but I feel compelled to also speak to everybody else in the room for a second. Because there's people in this room that are obviously not dads. And whether you're a man or a woman, young or old, we, we all have something in common. No matter what your background is, no matter where you came from today, no matter where you're at on the journey today, we all have something in common. And that is that we are all children. We are all somebody's child. And I know I know, I know, I know, on a day like this, with this many people in the room and with people tuning in online, I know that on a day like this, it is a celebration for some, but I know that it's also a challenge for others. I understand that. I'm not blind to that, and I think we need to acknowledge that. Maybe today is a, a challenge for you. Maybe it's a challenge for you because your dad wasn't around. Maybe it's a challenge for you because your dad was around, but in all the wrong ways. Or maybe it's a challenge for you because your dad was around and your dad was awesome, but he's no longer alive. My cousins today, my cousins today are not celebrating because they unexpectedly lost their dad in December. I know that today is not a good day for my cousins. And I know that today is not a good day for some people in this room. But I wanna remind you that no matter where you find yourself on the journey today, whether you are on the mountaintop or you in the valley, there is a father in heaven who wants relationship with you, who is obsessed with you, who wants to establish something new to you. 
He wants to establish something brand new in you. He wants you to be in relationship with his son. Why? Because when you're in relationship with his son, you inherit what it means to become a child of God. So what does that mean to be a child of God? It means that you are sufficient. How do I know you're sufficient? Because God provided his only son to bridge the gap between you and I. God loves you just the way you are. God loves who you are, God loves what's on your life, and God wants to establish something with you, and he, he wants it so bad that he was willing to inject himself into humanity, to wrap himself in flesh, to remove himself from perfection into imperfection, to close the gap between you and him. That's why I know that you're sufficient, but you're also unique. How do I know you're unique? Because the Bible says that you were knit together in your mother's womb. All of us, we have a different fingerprint. That means that we have something different to offer the capital C church. Bible says that God knows how many hairs are on our head. It, it says that our names were written down in the book of life. That means that you and I are unique. You and I are unique in the eyes of a father, but also you, you represent him. You represent God when you are a child of God. That's what church is. Church, what we're doing right here, it's not this hour and a half experience. It's not these four walls. It's not the steeple, it's the people. The church is the people. Can you think about that for a second? That this God has empowered, has enabled humanity to operate on his behalf, to operate as an extension of who he is. That's something that should liberate us. That's something that should get us excited. That's what a good father does. A good father doesn't just try and take all the purpose for himself. A good father deposits purpose into his children. That's what God the Father is saying, that if you establish a relationship with my son, you inherit what my son inherits. And that's life and life more abundantly. That's purpose, that's significance, that's a representation, an extension of me. This is how we're seen through the eyes of a father when we're in relationship with the son. Because there's a promise attached to sonship and there's a promise attached to the Father. It reminds me really quickly before we close, we're gonna take a moment to worship together and then some people are gonna meet Christ today, but it reminds me of this story in Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy is Moses has just led the people outside, uh, out of Egypt, the Exodus, and in Deuteronomy, uh, Moses is speaking to them, addressing them for this last time because he knows he got word from God that he's not going to enter into the promised land. And, and 40 days before they enter into the promised land, he starts giving them this, this speech, if you will, 30 chapters worth of, of reminders. And in Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20, he says something that struck me. He said, this day, somebody say this day, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Somebody say choose life. Choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers. I don't know about you, but when I read that, it speaks to me. It says, Moses is talking to his people and he's saying, hey, I know that you have wandered this place for a long time. I know that you are anticipating this brand new territory, this brand new space that you're gonna be stepping into. And because I know you're anticipating that, I'm gonna spend some time reminding you who God is. And I'm gonna spend some time reminding you who you are to God. He's reminding his people that you are sufficient. 
He's reminding his people that you are unique. He's reminding them that they represent God. They are God's people, his chosen people. He loves them. He wants relationship with them. He's reminding them who they are. But then what does he say? He says, so now, before you step into this, before you claim this new territory, before you step into some freedom, before you eliminate the bondage, before you walk into purpose, before you move into where it is that God has called you to move, you have a choice to make. There is a choice between life and a choice between death, a choice between blessing and a choice between curse. And I feel like that's God the Father's assignment for us tonight. I feel like that's God the Father's assignment for us to recognize that we got a choice right in front of us. We got to make this decision to choose life, to choose Jesus. Why? Because when we choose Jesus, we inherit, we inherit sonship. When we choose Jesus, we inherit what the son inherits. And that is life and life more abundantly to be viewed through the eyes of a father as sufficient, as unique, and as a representation of him. I don't know where you're at on the journey today. I don't know what your, uh, what your experience has been with your dad. If you are a father in this space, I want to encourage you that your best days of a dad are in front of you, not behind you. And it doesn't matter what your background was with your father. That doesn't have to repeat itself. You can break that pattern. Something new can be born when you establish yourself in Jesus. But if you are not a father and you're just a recipient of God's word today, you need to understand that no matter where you find yourself on the journey today, you have a choice. We all have this choice. This choice between life and between death, between blessing and between curse. We have this choice to choose Jesus. If we, if we choose Jesus, then what? We are viewed through the eyes of the Father. We become ambassadors of Christ. We become one like Christ. And you're viewed as sufficient. You're viewed as unique. You're viewed as a representation of him. All over this place, would you bow your heads for a moment? I feel like there's people in this space today that need to make that choice, that need to make that decision today to, to choose life, to choose Jesus to allow Jesus into their heart, to be the, the Lord of their life, to be the leader of their life. In a moment, if that's you, I'm gonna count to three. Everybody's eyes are closed, heads are bowed. This isn't intended to embarrass you or to call you out. Nobody's looking right now. This is a moment between you and him. It's a moment to acknowledge that there's a gap that exists between God and I, and I want to close that gap this morning. One, the Bible says that today is a day of salvation. That means don't worry about what's gonna to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow's gonna to be awesome, tomorrow's gonna to be good, but it'll never be like the moment that you have right now with God. Two, don't worry about your neighbor. This is a private moment between you and God. He's whispering something to you. He's speaking into your heart. If you hear that, that's the Holy Spirit saying, come, come home. I want relationship with you. Ready, one, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand if that's you. If you wanna close the gap between you and God, I wanna close the gap between Jesus and I. I wanna close the gap. I wanna be called a child of God. I see your hands, hands are shooting up all over this place. God bless you today. What's more important is that God sees your hands today. Church, can we all stand up to our feet? Cause we're gonna pray this prayer together. For everyone that made that decision today, I'm gonna to repeat, I'm gonna say this prayer and I want you to repeat it after me, but why don't we all lift up our hands together to heaven? This is a sign of surrender, a sign of God saying, hey, I'm yours. I'm ready, take me where you wanna take me, lead me where you wanna lead me. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I give you my past, I give you my present, and I place my future in your hands. 
I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. I want to be a child of God, sufficient, unique, and a representation of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. Come on, why don't you put your hands together? Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.